friends, welcome to the Small Business Matters podcast, the only podcast that truly matters to small business. My name is Tim Fulton. I'm the founder, chief evangelist for Small Business Matters. I'm also your host for today's podcast. I'm joined by my co-host, Taylor Fulton, the director of marketing for Small Business Matters. Taylor, good evening. Good evening. Good to be back. It is great to be back. We were just talking that we took a little bit of a break over the holidays. This is our first uh, Small Business Matters podcast of the new year. Very excited. And boy, we got a great guest to kick off the new year. Absolutely. Uh, couldn't have picked a better one myself. So without wasting any time, I, I want to go right to introducing our guest today is Zahir Faruqi, who is the Chief Executive Officer of Aventure Aviation. Um, this is a uh, international aviation marketing and sales company. Uh, Taylor uh, Zahir started this company, Aventure Aviation, back in 2001. He started the business in his home in Peachtree City. They're a supplier of uh, aircraft parts. Kind of, he likes to describe it as they're the auto zone for aviation. We'll ask more about that. I like that description. His company has won numerous awards uh, from the U.S. Department of Commerce, Minority Export Firm of the Year. They were named Fast 100 Asian American Business Award in 2020. So a lot of distinction. And I got to know uh, here a number of years ago. He was a member of my Vistage group, one of my favorite members, I should say. And that's why I'm really excited to have Zahir here with us. Zahir, welcome to the Small Business Matters podcast. Uh, thank you, Taylor. Thank you, Tim. Thank you for having me here. Great to have you. Now, uh, Zahir, if you've listened to our podcast before, you would know that we start off each podcast with the same question of our guests. And that question is, Zahir, what is it that you do that matters most to small business? Okay, you're going to start with all the tough questions. Okay. Uh, you know, Tim, as you indicated in the opening remarks, um, I compare our company to AutoZone, except the products we stock are aviation related. You know, like all the other companies, we create value for money, solve customers' problems. You know, we increase international business for our peers in, in the United States and provide stable employment for our team members. However, where we differentiate ourselves is that our business of supplying aircraft parts requires us to buy retired aircraft. You know, the aircraft at the end of life uh, when Delta and all the other airlines park the aircraft for good. So we buy them, we harvest the high moving parts, refurbish the, the parts, and then resell them. This is a uh, niche market, and there are too many regulations that discourage new startups. Another thing that differentiates us is that we are available 24 hours, seven days a week, 365 days. So it's, uh, you know, it's no surprise that you may find us working to ship a part out at 3 a.m. on a weekend. That is what we do. And what matters to us is knowing who is the customer. And I emphasize to our team members that when a client requests a spare part for their operations, always, always think of the customer's customer. By that, I mean, imagine a scene. Imagine a scene at the airport where there's a grandmother eagerly waiting to board a flight to go see her newborn grandchild for the first time. Or it could be a Marine who's coming home after a long tour of duty and desperately wanting to board a flight to return home to see his family. Or, or even just imagine if you have ordered a gift on Amazon that has been shipped and you can't wait to get your hands on the item. Now, just imagine 
if the aircraft is delayed due to a failure of an aircraft part, and the aircraft cannot leave until the failed component is replaced. The consequences of a delayed, uh, you know, the delayed passenger flight can be massive. That could result in cancellation. And worst case, passengers having to be put up in hotels and all expenses paid by the airline. So, you know, in such circumstances, when the aircraft is on ground, also called AOG, uh, the airline needs the spare part immediately. And we are one of the providers of that spare part. So as a business, what we do is make sure a customer's customer arrive at their destination safely and on time. That's great. And, and Zahir, I really like what you said about, you know, we spend a lot of time trying to figure out our customer and their needs, but the idea of understanding our customer's customer, that's something I, I don't think a lot, of, a lot of small businesses think about. And that's a, that's a great idea. Taylor? Yeah, Zahir, I want to dig a little bit into your, your bio because I think it's, it's uh, unique from a lot of the guests that we have on our podcast um, if I have it correct, you were born and raised in Pakistan and came over when mm-hmm. you were 17 years old. That's what made right. you want to come to the uh, United States? Ah, okay. Well, you know, I've been interested in aviation from a very young age. As you said, I was born in Karachi, Pakistan. And my, you know, and my earliest recollection is that occasionally on a weekend when my father would ask me, where would I have wanted to go with him? I would ask him to take me to the airport where I could view aircraft landing and taking off and seeing passengers arriving and departing. You know, my dad would grab his Sunday paper and sit in the open air patio overlooking the aircraft ramp while I would stand on my toes, looking and waving at the passengers. I just found the airplanes fascinating from, you know, from the roaring of the engine sound to the aircraft disappearing after takeoff. At the same time, you know, my mother also had a key role in my upbringing. Uh, she was a teacher and an entrepreneur. Uh, she had the honor of learning from Madame Montessori. And you know, Montessori is a, is a well-known name here. So my mom learned from Montessori on the methods to teach young children, and she started her own school. And both my parents always mentioned to me that educate yourself to the highest level possible. I remember them reminding me over and over again, money, they said, I could accumulate a lot, but if I lost it, I would have nothing to show. Whereas with education, no one could steal it from me. So go out and get yourself the highest education possible. And I recall my mother, you know, she was so keen to to see me succeed. And the plan she had for me was to enroll me in a British education system school in Karachi. That with a, you know, with a view that eventually I would go to Cambridge University in England. However, (laughs) my mother's ability in establishing a successful school and an entrepreneurial spirit led it to win a Fulbright scholarship to the United States in the, in the early 60s. Wow. And uh, while on a visit to the Department of Education in, in D.C., she had a chance to meet President John F. Kennedy, who took special interest in her and spoke to her for just a few minutes. And that had a profound effect on her. So later in my life, when I wanted to pursue a degree in aviation, I was actually encouraged to attend a university in California. And uh, that led me to come to the United States, get my education at Northrop University, where I got my bachelor's degree in aircraft engineering, my FAA license in airframe and power plant maintenance, and a master's degree in management. And after completing my education, I was offered a job with Saudi Arabian Airlines, which was then managed by a U.S. airline called TWA. And, you know, I went on to work in the Middle East and two other countries. And after 20 years of working in the Middle East, I relocated to Atlanta. Uh, in Atlanta, I worked for an aviation parts supplier for three years, 
before I decided to start my own company in 2001. Um, Taylor, you know, it honestly was very challenging at first because at the, if the events of 9-11 did not help. And that's mm-hmm. exactly when I started my business. And due to my personal background, I was constantly grilled by Homeland Security agents, FBI, and even CIA to see if I had any aviation connection with the terrorists. And that investigation was due to my background, you know, as a foreigner of a Muslim faith who had spent time in the Middle East and, you know, just my knowledge of aviation. And there was a time I thought about leaving the United States for good, but with encouragement from my wife to follow my dreams, I kept pushing myself for a successful business that was a few years led to, you know, Adventure Aviation winning the Inc. 500, 500, 500, 5,000 list of for four consecutive years, I was also the SBA exporter of the year for the state of Georgia and for the Southeast region. And just last November in Washington, D.C., we received the Presidential E Award for Excellence in Exports. That's the highest recognition any exporter can get. So I am truly pleased and I'm truly blessed that I have managed to get everything for my company. See here, you've had an amazing career when you think, you know, coming over here and then even with Adventure Aviation, starting that in your garage and then growing it to the successful company that it is today. So as you were president, CEO of the company for over 20 years, how would you describe your role as CEO of the company? What did you see that you were responsible for as the CEO of the company, as the leader of the company? Um, Tim, let me correct uh, you just a little bit. I was the president of the company uh, until 2000, January 2001. And from 2001, uh, January 2000, I took over as the CEO. And the CEO for me is not an executive position with a, with a corner office. I consider the CEO as the standing for C for customers, E for employees, and O for the owners. Those are the stakeholders that I report to. And I remind myself when I say CEO, who I'm responsible for. But as a leader of the organization, I had to bring a long-term strategy and implement the short-term goals while building a foundation of key team members. You know, this required plenty of international travel as today, over 70% of our company's revenues come from international customers. And uh, within our international market, it has also required me to establish presence in countries where our customer base was strong so today we have offices in Canada, in United Kingdom, Turkey, Pakistan, and China. And, and we've also uh, got some several international reps in different parts of the world. Um, I, I guess my most challenging time as a leader has been to listen. Listen first, understand the needs of my customers, and then take appropriate action to solve my customers' problem. The same has applied to within the organization. I have to listen to my employees first understand what they're trying to say, almost put myself in their shoes to see what they are saying before I take an action. Did I hear it correctly, what was asked, or what the other person is going through? You know, in dealing with people who speak different languages, especially the ones who are overseas, you know, it's extremely important that communication is clear, and that is a skill in itself. You know, I see many times uh, certain people who know a lot, a lot about their business, They're eager to throw a lot of information at their customers and expect them to understand everything that was said. Whereas the person receiving the communication, in some cases, has to translate it into their own language and make sense of the situation. I'll give you an example. 
if you're in a conversation, let's say, with a person in China and you happen to ask them if your quoted offer was within the expe- expectations or within budget or was it in the ballpark, you know, the gentleman at the other end would be puzzled, like, what do you mean in the ballpark? Because they don't understand. So you have to be very clear in what you're saying. I believe strongly a leader has to earn that position as he cannot lead without followers. So you have to find the right balance, encouraging you know, teamwork while harnessing the strengths of your team. I have found that in my company, you know, we have purposely emphasized diversity. Diverse, by that, di- I mean diversity in gender, ethnicity, age. Tim, you know me, and I'm the dinosaur in my company. <laughs> and many of the team members here are multilingual. They're well-traveled, and they bring different viewpoints and solutions. And that is, that is an important facet of a company because during discussions, as a leader, you want them to give you whatever ideas they have so that you can make the best informed decision. You're speaking of some of your other uh, team members. I think one thing that makes your company special is that um, it's a bit of a family business, if I have that right. I'm, that I'm curious if you, could, if you could speak to... Uh, how that came about and, and maybe some of the dynamics of a family-run business. I see that you're also a family uh, member <laughs> in your company. <laughs> so you can, can relate share to the it. dynamics are very yes, interesting. Yes, you can relate to it that uh, I'm truly blessed that I have three sons uh, who, uh, when they graduated from uh, Georgia Tech, UGA, and uh, Georgia State, and you know when they uh, wanted to join a venture, I encouraged them to go find their own whatever job that they would like to get involved with. Eventually, they came back to Venture Aviation because they felt that this was a company where they could participate and learn the most. Initially, when they joined me, uh, remember I had a small company with a warehouse and it was used to get very, very hot in the warehouse. And I would put them to work in the warehouse first. They were not coming for a desk job. They had to work their way up. If they had to clean the toilets, guess what? They had to clean the toilet. Whatever it was required to do to run a business, they had to learn it the hard way. So they eventually came to a point where they all wanted to be a part of the company and they found their own bearings within our organization. As I said, I have three boys. A few years ago, when it came down to a point where I started thinking about exiting my company and what would I have to do, I brought the three of them together and I asked them, my plan was to leave the company and would they be interested in taking on and continuing? And what role would they would like to have within the company? And it was no surprise to me that my eldest son, uh, Hamza, he said, well, I'm most comfortable being uh, in commercial aircraft sales, you know, selling aircraft parts for the airline industry. And the youngest one, Osman, wanted to be in the military side, selling aircraft parts to the military and defense. And the three of them chose the second son to be the man to run the company. So Tala was then groomed by me to run the role as the president or step into my shoes, whereas the other two were groomed in their respective roles. So when January 1st, 2021 came along, I can tell you I was very delighted that all three were able to take on the roles and continue and take the company to the next level. And one of the other things that they wanted, they liked the idea of working uh, in the company was a lot of the issues that came up, those were part of the conversation over dinner. Or if they didn't bring it up, I would. <laughs> so they would say that, hey, this is, a, this, you know, work is work, but 
we would continue talking about problems and until they could they understood if they made a mistake or how they would solve the problem. Friends, you're listening to the Small Business Matters podcast, the only podcast that truly matters to small business. With us today is Zahir Farouki. Zahir is the CEO with Adventure Aviation, and we've we've come now to learn that CEO stands for caring for customers, employees, and owners. And Zahir, I, I love that idea of that your job is focusing on those three key areas mm-hmm. of the business. So right. I want to shift our attention here. Leaders are are capable of making all sorts of mistakes, uh, good mistakes, and sometimes <laughs> bad mistakes. I'd love uh-huh. to hear you share with our audience uh, an example of a good mistake that you've made in your career, and on the flip side, an example of maybe a bad mistake that you've learned from, a good mistake and a bad mistake. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, you know, the best mistake I've made is that um, I realized very quickly that you know the US population only comprises of 5% of the population. So a significant number of potential customers exist overseas. People who live outside the United States, you know, they like the product made in USA, and it's up to us to inform them. So what I did was I was very, very concerned. Is that going to be a mistake for me to step outside the United States to get new business? But knowing what little knowledge I had about overseas trying to do business. And by the way, I did take courses. I didn't just start exporting. I took a course called Export Georgia, Fast Track. And Tim, you might know who was the uh, leader at that time running that course. Do you remember that person? I have faint memory of that, yes. Yes, you were the leader of that class. So thank you for educating me on running a business. Very well. The important things. And so (laughs) it was a bad mistake uh, to take your class. No, it wasn't that bad. Uh, but it did lead me to uh, branch out internationally. And today, I can say that we have uh, lots of customers overseas, uh, over 1,600 customers, and we export to 45 countries. And that has allowed me, uh, this bad mistake was to allow me to travel to over 50 countries. And I'm, you know, I enjoy it. I enjoy doing that. Now it comes down to the bad mistake. Hmm. You know, Tim, there have been so many bad mistakes. I I, I didn't think you'd put me on a spot. But anyway, let me think of one. You know, I'm a kind of a person who initially I used to trust people, trust employees uh, a hell of a lot. You know, I would go out and recruit people based on the experience and skills, the ability to bring in new business. And I ignored their core values just because they were good. I said, yeah, they, it'll work out. It'll work it out. It's like saying, you know, if I had to place them on the Jack Welch grid, I had recruited a couple of terrorists on my bandwagon, and they became a liability. And a couple of them went rogue on me. You know, I had, in one case, uh, established an overseas office in Dubai, and the manager uh, clearly didn't fit in with our core values, but he was good at bringing business. What I didn't realize was he was also good in embezzling money out of the company account. And to get out of it was a major uh, issue for me, and to the point where I would not do business in Dubai. I just won't because of my problems. And in fact, I'll be happy to talk to anybody offline if they were thinking of doing business in Dubai, uh, what things to watch out for, what are the minefields. I'd be happy to explain it to them. But you know, the important thing is hire people for the core values that match the owner, 
match the uh, the company's uh, core values. And if they're short of training, you can always train. And that's exactly what we do. We educate them in areas where they don't, the skill is a bit short. But core values, I'm telling you, we do not go outside. So that's been uh, my bad mistake of hiring people, trusting them that they would come along and uh, blend in with our core values. They don't. So core value is number one. And then comes the skill set. So here it feels like we've been in this pandemic forever. But one of the questions we we ask is how businesses have pivoted during COVID, if they've pivoted. So I'm, I'm curious mm-hmm. if, if your business had to go through any sort of transformation and, and go through such a pivot. Well, Taylor, uh, you know, when the pandemic started, uh, among the industry that got hurt the most was uh, the airline industry. You know, when passengers stopped traveling, people had fear of travel, that they would uh, get, you know, the COVID just by flying, getting close to people, sitting in a, in a tube, at the airplane, you know, next to people who were infected. So people stopped flying. And when people stopped flying, the airline industry started to park the airplanes. And overnight, the business disappeared. Delta will tell you that 95% of the business evaporated overnight for them. And if Delta said 95% disappeared, you can imagine what happened to us if we were mm-hmm. supplying uh, spare parts for who? The airlines were not flying. And if the airline needed something urgently, they would rob one of the airplanes to continue flying their operation. So with that in mind, Taylor, you know, we had to make a fast, fast decision. What do we do? I had uh, people on, on staff, they were in sales, they were purchasing people. I had uh, admin, uh, finance, accounting, shipping, warehousing, uh, people overseas. What do we do? By having this team of people who, were, who came together and the team decided that the need of the hour was PPE, you know, the personal protective equipment. Mm-hmm. We had to get it and we had to get it very, very fast. So the office in China, our, our rep in China was instrumental in, in finding the right location, starting, started sending us material. The infrared thermometers, they, they, we bought them in wholesale. Same thing on you know, hand sanitizers and masks. In fact, we still have plenty of them. If you're looking, Taylor, if you're looking for 500 thermometers, I can send them over tomorrow, okay? So we do have a lot of that stuff, but it came in extremely handy. Suddenly, our customer base was different. In fact, the best customer we had was a car dealership in Georgia. They wanted a lot of that equipment for the car dealership. So we had to pivot and quickly. And that really saved us, saved our jobs. Uh, So I would say that that is the kind of thing that one has to do when you are in a business. When you run into a a brick wall where there's, you're not going forward, you have to decide how are you going to come out of it and use your own resources. What are you strong in? Where can you pivot to? And that's exactly what we have done. Zaheer, I have one more question for you, and then we'll, we're going to shift to to my favorite part of the podcast, which is the rapid fire questions. So, oh. last last question for you. Before that, you have taken, I know, a lot of advice over the course of your career. You're great about that, seeking input from others. I want to flip the the channel and give you an opportunity to give advice to aspiring small business owners and entrepreneurs. If you're going to give one piece of advice to a, a new entrepreneur, 
what would you suggest? Okay, so it's a small business owner. Hmm. I think one advice, um, be nimble. You know, as a small business owner, you will get opportunities that you will need to quickly evaluate. And if it's worth the risk, take it. So what one a small business owner must do is, you know, if you're convinced that it is a good deal and, you know, you might face some headwinds, headwinds, you know, but to be successful, you've got to take some risks. So be sure that you know when you're nimble and you take this uh, risky opportunity, be aware that if things are not going well, uh, be ready to jump ship. Don't go down with it just because you have taken that step. Uh, so be nimble. That's one of the things you, you should do because your competitors may be slow, and especially the big companies. Big companies, yes, they have uh, you know, deep, deep pockets, but generally speaking, they're very slow to make decisions. But if you're nimble, you can run out, close the deal before the big companies have a chance to make a decision or even evaluate. So my uh, advice would be be nimble. That's great advice for any business owner, whether they're just starting off or have been in it for many years. So, uh, so here we're now going to move to the our, our rapid fire questions. Taylor is going to ask you some difficult rapid fire oh. questions. He's going to try to stump you. You're going to uh -huh. answer those questions with ease. My money is on you. Are you ready? No, I'm not ready, but let's go for it. Uh, I, I, you <laughs> promised me something afterwards, right? A, a new Corvette. A huge yeah. prize. Huge oh, yeah, prize. huge prize. Hey. <laughs> Taylor, go ahead. All right. Well, Zaheer, you mentioned that you've enjoyed quite a bit of international travel. So outside of the U.S. and Pakistan, what is your favorite country to visit? You know, one of my favorite country to visit, believe it or not, was Kenya. Kenya. In Africa. Uh, the reason I enjoyed uh, going to Kenya was, of course, it was on business. But while I was there, unfortunately, one of the aircraft that I was supposed to travel back was delayed. Somebody had got sick on the airplane and the aircraft was quarantined. So I had to stay in uh, Nairobi for a couple of days. And in that time period, I was able to go outside the city of Nairobi. And one of the places I went to was treetops. What is so unusual about treetops is basically it's, you can imagine if there are a couple of big, uh, huge trees. And on top of the trees is a hotel. And a hotel, meaning, you know, they've got rooms, small rooms. They even have flushing toilets up on the trees. No. And, and you're about maybe uh, 30 or 40 feet above a water, watering hole where all the animals come out. So basically, the animals are free, and you're the one who's trapped and in a cage. <laughs> Think of it that way. Oh, that's awesome. And what I did not know, and I was fascinated afterwards, was um, the present Queen of England. Uh, she and her husband had gone there when she was a princess, when her dad was the king. She had gone to visit that same place. And while she and her husband were vacationing there, her father passed away, the king. So the story goes is that she went up as a princess, came down as a queen. Wow. So very if I had the opportunity, I'd like to go there again. Absolutely. So would I. All right, we're going to our second rapid fire. What is your favorite type of plane? The favorite type of plane in today's world would be uh, the Boeing 787. I enjoy that aircraft. Whenever I get the opportunity, I would fly on it. And I have a son, Hamza, who is very very good in uh, 
finding me the best flights or wherever I want to go. I remember he was able, to, I was trying to go to England and he said, you know, I'm going to get you on a 787 and it had just come on, uh, you know, in, in operation. Mm-hmm. And he sent me off to Houston to catch a flight on Singapore airline that was flying from Houston to Manchester in England. I don't know how Hamza finds these deals, but it was a ridiculously <laughs> cheap flight on first class. So, you know, that's the kind of airplane I would enjoy flying. Uh, third question. Uh, what is a favorite book that you've read in the past year that our listeners might find valuable? You know, I went back to reading some of my old, old books. Any book from Jack Welch and uh, Thomas Friedman's book, The World is Flat, I've enjoyed reading it because it talks about um, the world being flat, meaning that there's so many things that can be done that you think are being done in the United States are being done overseas, like in India. They might be doing your taxes, and you may not even know. They may be doing your uh, x-rays in a different part of the world. They're evaluating, they're doing the research. The doctors here in the United States are able to take your x-ray, send it off overseas, Doctors or, or clinics will evaluate it over there and send the report and it'll be here the next day because the time zone, they can work things out. So the world is flat is, a, uh, is, is good, very good to know about international business. Great choice. And maybe the, 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 the new version would be the, the world is flatter because it just it continues uh, to, to, to get to where, as you said, companies are leveraging all sorts of resources today. They never would have thought of leveraging uh, elsewhere. Taylor, have you got one more? Uh, yeah, last one. Uh, sticking on the, the airline theme, is there a, a fun fact or a unique fact about the airline industry or planes in general uh, that you'd like to share with our audience? Fun fact. Okay. Something I can uh, mention about airlines, if you have traveled in the modern-day airplane and if you've used the lavatories, let's say in the first class or economy, and you hit the button and it's, there's a big sound and you're wondering, what the heck was that sound? Well, it was basically a vacuum type of operation where all the crap goes into the tank. But the question is, the first class toilets are up in the front of the aircraft and the toilet tank is at the very end, in the tail. The question is, when the aircraft was on the ground, how would you clean the whole pipe, the duct, from the front to the back? And, and many people will be stumped and they'll say, oh, they put a, you know, like in a, in a normal toilet, put a big brush through all the way and to clean it. No, that's not how it's done. It's very simple. It's, think of it like a vacuum cleaner that's being used at the tail. And all you got to do is dump crushed ice in the front. And, nice. and as the ice gets sucked all the way back, it just cleans up all the crud. And it, of course, it melts, so there's nothing left behind. Wow, that is a fun fact. Mm-hmm. That, that is excellent. Well, Taylor, I was keeping score, and I'm, I'm giving the, the, the win to Zaheer. He performed <laughs> admirably All right. on our, our rapid-fire questions. Nicely done. Taylor, our time always goes so fast on these podcasts. I'm, I'm sure that some of our listeners might be interested in learning more from Zaheer. It could be on taking their business international. It could be, you know, growing a family business. Zaheer, what's the easiest way for one of our guests to contact you if they wish to do so? Uh, They can always call my company, Aventure Aviation, or look up on the website, www.aventureaviation.com. It's like the word adventure, but without the letter D in it. We just have Aventure 
uh, aviation and have adventure every day here. But to reach me, it would be Zahir, Z as in Zulu, A-H-E-E-R, at adventureaviation.com. My personal cell is also available if you want to text me. Uh, uh, it would be 770-309-2683. I'd be happy to help anybody who is considering doing international business or have, is having challenges. You would find me a, an open book. Happy to help anybody, especially all your friends, uh, Taylor and uh, Tim. Happy to help them. Sure. And, and no better person to be a mentor in either one of those areas. So, Taylor, I've got, as usual, I have a, a page full of notes from our podcast today. As you hear pointed out, the importance of not only understanding your customers, but understanding your customer's customer. He described his role as CEO as focusing on customers, employees, and owners. What a great way to remember that. He talked about the importance of core values, particularly in choosing your employees, maybe also choosing your customers and your, your suppliers, but you know, being rock solid on those core values. And last, when he, he shared with us that one piece of advice, it was be nimble. And I think that's great advice for a small business owner is, you know, one of the advantages that we have over big companies is, is speed, that we can make quicker decisions, we can act quicker, we can, we can uh, hire quicker. We have to leverage that, that advantage that we have. Taylor, anything in particular that, that you took away from our guest today? Uh, I think you hit, in terms of the business themes, um, all the ones on the head. I, I think, uh, for me, just want to thank you here for, for joining us. I think he's got such a, uh, an interesting and, and cool story uh, and enjoyed learning not only about himself and his business, but uh, more about the airline industry as well. Well, I join you, Zaheer. Thank you so much for being on the Small Business Matters podcast. Appreciate your time. And more importantly, I appreciate your friendship and I look forward to having you back again. Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Taylor. Thanks for having me. All right, as we begin to wind down the podcast, I want to remind our, our listeners to rate, review, and subscribe to the Small Business Matters uh, podcast. A couple quick announcements. If you're not already a subscriber to the Small Business Matters newsletter, you can visit our website at smallbusinessmattersonline.com and subscribe to the monthly newsletter. Taylor, uh, we're very excited. We've announced recently that we're going to be hosting the 2022 Small Business Matters Conference coming up on Friday, May 20th. We got a couple months to prepare for that. The speakers that we've put together for this year's conference, Taylor, I think it's the best lineup of speakers that we've ever had. I'm, I'm really excited. It's now been three years since we hosted our last conference and it's really gonna come together for us this year in May. So very excited about that. Uh, anything else, any in terms of reminders or announcements? I think you've covered it all. Very good. Well, uh, friends, thank you for listening to the Small Business Matters podcast, the only podcast that truly matters to small business. May each of you continue to pursue all that matters.